Welcome back, fuck demons, to Sex News with Ray. Today, we are here again with Marissa Swinton, sex educator, women's confidence coach, sexuality coach, (laughs) woman with adults braces, really likes pinky shade of print. Should have taken your Vyvanse this morning. Should have taken my Vyvanse this morning. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we get into it, or do you have any fun facts you feel like sharing today? (laughs) Um... No, but can you tell, like, I'm doing, like, I've been playing with this eyeliner on Zoom, like, for the entire time we've been oh, talking yeah. already. I've actually <laughs> been looking at it, like, like I've been enjoying watching you play with it. Oh, really? Yeah. This is, like, my, this is, like, my ADHD. In order to focus on this, I have to do this. <laughs> um, Sometimes I draw while I'm listening to people. If I, like, you know what? When I'm, like, on Zoom and there's nothing to visually keep me stimulating so that I don't online shop to do something, oh, God. I draw. Because if it's yeah. just someone talking for hours and hours and hours, I'm like, please don't make me. Or it's just a presentation with, like, words. I'm like, it's why we try and break up our workshops to be more interactive. Because, like, I don't have ADHD. I need it, too. And I yeah. can't stand that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I have ADHD, and my favorite place to sleep is the classroom. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You ready for today's okay. article? Keep going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, so just just to remind our listeners of where we've been in our purity culture journey so far. So we started with the history of purity culture. We went into purity culture and more history, but specifically purity culture and how it influenced sex ed, which I thought was very fascinating. And then we spent a week or two sort of talking about like purity culture um, in like, you know, secular culture. So for example, like in the media and how it manifests. And most recently we talked about purity culture in like, you know, being like devoid like another aspect of secular purity culture where it's kind of like separated from religion technically because there's no bible quotes but how it's still very much rooted in religion and how it manifests in in secular culture that are not religious spaces so that's where we're at so today we're going to be talking a little bit more about porn and purity culture and how purity culture feels about porn and things like that because you know Mm -hmm. porn is kind of the opposite of purity culture so today's article is people who support a ban on pornography tend to hold more sexist views about women, a study finds. It's by SciPost from June 21st, 2021. The article opens by introducing a study that was conducted by the Journal of Sex Research titled Pornography Consumption and Attitudes Toward Pornography Legality Predict Attitudes on Sexual Equality. So um, I actually have a little bit of more information on that. Um, The study published in the Journal of Sex Research also indicates that people who believe pornography should be legal tend to hold more egalitarian gender attitudes compared to those who think pornography should be banned. The paper was a collaboration between David Speed and several upper-year undergraduate students for a class credit. So one thing that we've talked about on this podcast before is when you see an article about um, a, a paper... Sometimes they misquote it, inaccurately quote it, or don't do a very good job. So I actually went mm-hmm. and like read the abstract, and this article is not only doing a really good job of summarizing key aspects, it's interviewing the original authors. So this is, I think, a trustworthy report, mm-hmm. in my opinion, from what I could tell. So we have a quote, which says, Generally, consuming pornography or supporting legal pornography was either non-predictive of sexism or predicted lower sexism, speed the author told SciPost. Meaning that like it had no effect or lower sexism, but not higher Mm -hmm. than the other group. David Speed summarized the polarized debate nicely. On one side of this debate, those opposed to pornography suggest that it is, by nature, sexist because it objectifies women. 
On the other side of the debate, those who support pornography make the argument that those involved in the creation, production, and consumption of pornography should be free to do so, and that preventing them from this solely because they are women should itself be sexist. Those who believe pornography should be legal for adults were less likely to endorse statements such as men are better suited for politics than women, a woman's role is to be a mother, not a provider, and young children suffer if a mother goes to work, compared to those who believed pornography should be illegal regardless of age. These relationships held even after accounting for other factors like sex, age, race, region, education, political orientation, and religiosity. So here's what the actual abstract of the paper had to say, because I thought, let's just read it. Some scholars argue that the existence of pornography is an ongoing assault on women and that it should be banned. However, the existing evidence suggests that connection between pornography consumption and sexism is overstated and may actually run in the opposite direction. Using data from the General Social Survey taken 2010 to 2018, the current study investigated if pornography consumption and pornography tolerance predicted sexism and whether those associations varied by sex. Results indicated that pornography consumption predicted lower levels of sexism, although these effects were rendered non-significant with the inclusion of socio-demographic, religious, and socio-cultural covariates. When comparing the results of the current study to findings based on data from the 1970s to 1990s, it appears that pornography consumption is now irrelevant to sexism rather than promoting egalitarianism. So it's not that like watching porn makes you... Watching porn doesn't mean that now you're more feminist, but people uh-huh. who are pro-porn typically are also less sexist. Mm-hmm. It's correlation, not causation. Yeah. Our analyses focusing on pornography tolerance revealed that people who supported regulated pornography were more egalitarian than people who supported a pornography ban. Generally, men were more likely to report sexist attitudes than women, but sex moderated the relationship that pornography variables had with sexism in several of the other models. So like, you know, just generally men are more sexist than women. That was a thing that was reported. Good to know. Overall, pornography consumption... I feel like I'm not shocked, honestly. Who would have guessed? Pornography (laughs) consumption and pornography tolerance were either irrelevant in predicting sexism or were associated with greater egalitarianism. So, um, one of the things that I kind of want to talk about first, and I have more additional quotes, is like, how does purity culture actually feel about porn? Because we have this article talking about, you know, this opinion and that opinion. So I found a few different quotes from a few different articles, and I'm going to summarize them. So um, from my readings, purity culture on the whole bans pornography. So despite the fact that you were not supposed to have sex until marriage, you also have to have pure thoughts. And pornography is not a pure thought. And you're not supposed to masturbate, right? So like, that's part of it. So um, this is a quote from husbandmaterial.com. And it's called Five Failures of Purity Culture. Pornography and purity culture have a lot more in common than you think. They both have an incredibly low view of sex. In purity culture, sex is seen as forbidden, nasty, gross, and dirty. In porn, sex is seen as casual, inconsequential, and consumeristic. Both of these views are so puny and pale in comparison to the beauty and glory of God's design to actually enjoy our sexuality in a healthy way. So this is obviously saying porn is terrible, porn is not good. Mm -hmm. Because sex is beautiful and godly. Cool. Um, It was an interesting, by the way, interesting article. Okay. And then the next quote that I have here, just sort of explaining the feelings of purity culture about porn was, I think that Christian churches have historically been guilty of giving people impossible demands when it comes to porn and sexuality and then piling on shame and guilt once people inevitably transgress. I think that we have and continue 
to set ourselves up to do nothing but fail. And we have been remarkably graceless along the way, which is a damnable indictment indeed. I have no doubt that Christian purity culture has done great harm and left people mired in shame and despair. I've seen it and it is an ugly thing. But I also think that when it comes to our increasingly casual attitudes toward porn, we may not fully appreciate the monster that has been unleashed. I'm thinking about preteen girls trying to negotiate the impossible world that we have bequeathed to them. I'm thinking about adolescent boys who feel powerless to resist the lure of easy pornography, or worse, who are happily marinating in the toxic swill. I'm thinking about the freedom with which we have imprisoned our young and how they might ever be liberated. And this is from a blog post by a man named Ryan Dweck, and it's just called Pornland and Purity Culture. So this is someone who's just like ruminating. This is not like a journalist mm-hmm. or anything. This is just someone's personal blog. But mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting um, support for how people who are identifying that purity culture is toxic and yet are still very much steeped in it and the messages around pornography. Yes. Um, I actually, I, I love that we've kind of come to this point now because there's a ton of, there's a, a ton of influencers. There's a ton of pure pastors. There's a ton of people I know who have identified purity culture as toxic and they're like, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And still find ways to integrate it into all of their life, like their life. <laughs> like, and I think this is a great example of one way that it happens, you know? Right. They're still yeah. seeing sex as like this thing that has to have meaning. Yeah, exactly. It's fascinating that like people see sex as something that should have meaning in order to be better. And like one thing, I mean, here's the thing. For me personally, the sex that I have with people that I care about is better than the sex that I have with people I don't care about. That being said, I've also had bad sex with people that I care about, right? Like the best sex that I have is when you combine someone that you deeply care about with good sex. I have Mm -hmm. had great sex with people I've had a one night stand with, right? Like, but I think it's purity culture that that encourages us to make meaning of the sex. Of sex, yeah. Otherwise, you're like falling into moral turpitude or, you know. Like, it's it's fascinating. And it's kind of like, you know, sex is sort of like this thing that we do as as people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it has meaning and sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't um, always have to have meaning. And it doesn't always fine. have to be meaningless. Yeah. Exactly. The uh, So I've talked about him plenty of times. Best sex of my life guy. Um, Does he have a nickname? Because Shoulders has a nickname. I mean... And he's like the worst. <laughs> but... um, well, one of my friends calls him Soap Boy. Uh... Done. Soap Boy. Best <laughs> sex of your life. Uh on the Valentine's Day, around the time that we met, he he came over and we carved soap statues. Like he came soap over stone? with soap. Yeah, or no, soap. no, not just soap. Actual soap. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I'm gonna carve soap with the with the a man. And yeah, and have the best sex of my life with. Oh my gosh! But we actually so he was the best sex of my life. This the first time we had sex, which was our second date, and like you know, like and I like it was not meaningful. You know, like it was not, it was not, um, you know, we weren't falling in love with each other. We weren't, um, you know, we weren't like putting a huge amount of meaning on it. And it was still the best sex of my life. Yeah. The worst sex of my life um, was, was in a, in a relationship that was very meaningful. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think also so. just being in the right headspace goes a long way. So mm-hmm. For some people, that means it has to be meaningful. And that's what yeah. puts them in the right headspace, which is fine. Um, I have a really important question, though. Um, soap boy, best sex of your life. Yeah. How was he at carving soap? 
He actually carved really well. <laughs> now, there you have it. I think that this is clearly causation. Any man who can carve soap well will be good at sex. <laughs> Uh, However, I actually we've had discussions is, about this. I say anyone uh, who identifies as anything other than male, no guarantee. <laughs> uh, me and him have actually had quite a few discussions of this. We are both the best sex of each other's lives, um, and 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 we keep coming back to each other for that reason. <laughs> unpack unpack for our listeners. Then why are you not dating for people who uh, still think they're tied together? Yeah. Um, there's there's quite a few reasons. Number one is I think he, he, like he wants children Ew. and and I'm not interested. And he also does have some um religion around him that he'd like to be um that he'd like me to be a part of and and I'm not comfortable with that. So um Wow, so like different value systems. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> but I like I adore him. It, like if 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 it made any if it if we had similar value systems in that way, it would be a it it would be immediate that you know like it was, yeah. yeah yeah cool so okay here's another thing that I noticed from my reading on purity culture mm-hmm. um this idea that if you like porn or casually watch porn that automatically means you have a pornography addiction oh gosh yeah like yeah. literally any sort of porn consumption under purity culture is porn addiction mm-hmm. yeah um. I've, I actually had this conversation with somebody just last week because they were like, well, you know, he had a porn addiction. And, and I said to them, like, what do you mean? And uh, they were like, well, he watched so much porn. And I was, was it interfering with his life? Like, was it like, because I'm not saying you can't have porn addiction. I'm saying, is it interfering? Like, is what you know? Yeah, so like the yeah, like define the porn addiction. From what I've read on porn addiction, if it yeah. is impacting your ability to see friends, have relationships, go to work, right? Like you if can't it's impacting your like, life. Like yeah. you're getting fired because you're masturbating at work and can't stop yourself, or like you are not interacting with other people. You'd rather stay in and masturbate while watching porn than like go out with your friends. If it's starting to do mm-hmm. that, then cool. Um, I know someone else who like sees himself as someone with a pornography addiction because he watches porn every day and masturbates, and I'm like. But are you still able to be sexually intimate with your partners when you want to be? And he's like, mm-hmm. yes. And I'm like, and do you enjoy watching that porn? And he's like, yes. That being said, uh, these are the same people who will then say that they used to have a bigger imagination, like a bigger sexual imagination. Mm-hmm. And so if someone decides for themselves that they would rather cultivate that aspect of their brain and removing porn from their life helps them with that, I'm not going to be like, no. You shouldn't watch porn. You should watch it. Like, no, do what's right for you. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have an addiction. I was just going to say, I want to take around, I like, I would try to take around out the shame of their statement. You know, like, you don't need to be a feel a, like shame. a lot of people who say they have an, a porn addiction when it's not interfering with their life. It's it's a shame that they feel. And right. it's a it's um it's a shame that they feel around watching it. Um. And so I'm going to, yeah, alleviate that shame and just say, like, well, if you want to stop, like, I think that's a great idea if you want to, you know, like, if you'd like to cultivate something else in your life, that's wonderful. But but also, if you find like, yourself going back and watching porn, you don't need to feel guilty. You don't need to feel bad. It. You can just yeah. be like, yeah, I just want to do it. So do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, I thought it was so weird that it's like you're reading about these people and like literally the way they talk about it is like, 
oh man, I started to see my wife as an object and not a person and it's so bad for you and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, and now that I don't have it, I see my wife as a human again. I'm like, dude, I don't think porn was the problem. No, no. Think- if you can't see a human as a human, that's not porn that did that. The yeah. fact that you don't see the women in porn as people is also like, mm-hmm. I, like just it, all it takes yeah. is one side. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah. But also like, there's a lot of complementarianism, right? Like a woman's role is doing X, Y, Z. Like a woman's role is very service-based in purity culture. Mm-hmm. So oh, I started to see her as an object whose only job was to serve me. I'm like, yeah, purity culture actually encourages that mindset. You mm-hmm. know, separate but equal. And here are their duties. And here's how they're perfect and godly. Like you were already tiptoeing your way in there. Okay. Yeah. So I think we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, actually, on the podcast where it was... um it was like, you, you, sex work isn't real work until you film it. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not allowed to be a sex worker in some countries until you film it. And then it's fine. <laughs> like, and then you should and then it's por- yeah, porn is fine, but sex work isn't. Exactly. Like, and that's just, that's another way that it's just like steeped in this, um, yeah, like purity culture narrative. Um, uh, like, Sex work is one of the oldest types of work and allowing a woman to choose like, well, sorry, I shouldn't say woman, allowing a person with a vulva to choose what she does with her body eliminates um, financial dependence. There are also like there are sex workers who are like other genders too, who are equally as damaged, but the majority of the population of sex workers are women who identify or people who identify as women. Exactly. Because, um, from like a um from a purity culture narrative if i say like prostitute you don't think male prostitute yeah like that's not the visual that comes into your head right right um anyways that's where i was going with that so yeah um i just yeah i think it's just really interesting this conversation around like the demonization of porn but like it comes from this perception as porn is harming women that's been very Mm -hmm. clear right there's this idea that porn is harming women but the people with this perception according to the study have more sexist values that actually harm women Mm -hmm. and i found that fascinating i i just i think that's very true um i have uh i have friends who watch a lot of porn um and i've i've tried to steer them towards like ethical pornography um and they also are trying to deconstruct their their purity, their own internal internalized kind of purity culture. And I find it really interesting because um, they are are very ingrained in the um, objectification of women. They're very ingrained in like women shouldn't be objects, but um, and and porn kind of objectifies them um, while watching porn regularly interesting yeah (laughs) right you know these are things to be true but you also want to watch porn yeah well i'm thinking also like what are the ways in which purity culture objectifies women it's kind of like when you see a woman is useful for nothing more than a vessel for your future children you know it's like calling it a vagina which means sheath yeah um like yeah but i'm also thinking like um seeing a woman's role is nurturing and a man's role is protecting and it's like Mm -hmm. nurturing is protecting Mm-hmm. like there's just... different ways to protect like it's all yeah. the same thing but like you know and like men not seeing themselves as nurturers women are naturally nurturing and it's like 
Not what well, no women aren't not all women are naturally nurturing. That is very different than like, you know, also saying like uh purity culture keeps women from taking on certain roles in the church. You're not allowed to mm-hmm. actually be in a leadership role. You may only like educate the children and it's kind of like a backup thing and like you're just an assistant, right? Like these are things mm-hmm. that basically prevent women from having autonomy in these religious spaces. And that's more harmful than a woman deciding she wants to get boned for money and then filming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. But also, like, what was it? Um, it's one of our workshops. I actually learned this from you, and then I looked it up, and it's true. That Pornhub changed the way that pornography was made. And a lot mm-hmm. of the issues that we have with porn is actually, like, the Pornhub method of, like, less plot, less imagination, and more, like, clips and holes and close-ups. So it's mm-hmm. not even porn that's the issue. It's like the uh, clip, like the quick clip, whole focused porn. Yeah. That, but like, you know, people were skipping to things. I really like some of those older movies from the 70s that like give you a whole story to get into. And that's kind of fun. I like the story based porn. I just need like some sort of plot line to follow. I can't just like jump to, to you know. Yeah. Wherever. You know? Yeah, I agree. But I, yeah. I also know, like, typically a lot of people, lot of people uh, with that. testicles um, and a penis, they are the kinds of people who they prefer the whole based, you know, just like quick and dirty. Like, that's just how their brain functions. And it's like, okay, great. So then, so if we know that that's a thing and we know that in general, that does lead to more objectification, let's just say we know that that leads to more objectification, then we need to think about, okay, well, then how do we unpack that? Because, like, there's yeah. nothing wrong with doing and watching things that are how your brain works that being said once again maybe watching porn makes you objectify women more than you would have previously maybe all i'm saying is that apparently people who are pro porn tend to be more egalitarian that's what the uh-huh. study has said like they don't have sexist values towards women so they don't assume that a woman in porn is an object uh-huh. that's what i'm getting y- from this yes um i think there's like we go into it in our in our um, workshops, the difference between mainstream porn and, and ethical porn. And like in those like quick clips, kind of like Pornhub standard of porn, um, it's it, there's less chance for you to. I want it like I want it. I, I, how am I going to say this? There's less chances for you to humanize the woman. Rather than in the ones where there's, like, a little bit more in between. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also with ethical porn, you know that these people are legal. They've all consented to be there. There's nothing being posted Mm -hmm. without someone's permission. And guess what? Ethical porn frequently looks the same Same as Pornhub porn. Pornhub porn. Oh, my God. Okay, this big debate on... And there's different bodies, and there's, like, oh, it's just better. Watch ethical porn, you guys. And I even, like, I'm somebody who pays for my porn. I watch porn very regularly. I don't know if I'd say every day, but... I'd say at least five times a week. Um, and uh, oh, outing your pornography like, addiction, are you? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pay for it. I use Belisa. I've talked about that all the time. I love Belisa. I paid th- I paid $3 a month for my porn, and it's exactly what I want from porn. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's, there's avail- porn availability out there, guys, that's not... Pornhub, <laughs> and it is, it is ethical porn. Do it up. I want to take a moment here to talk about 
the conversation around aggressive porn. Like I keep hearing people say young people are doing more dangerous and aggressive things. And like the bar for first sexual experiences is being raised. And like now girls think that they have to be choking and gagging on a dick for it to be a blowjob. And men think that, you know, the boys think that too. This is obviously we're talking teenagers uh-huh. for like teenagers, teenagers who don't know their identities yet too. Actually, I think it's really great that people are figuring out their identities younger and younger, but that's a tangent that I'm not going to go on right now. I should have taken your Vyvanse this morning. Um, so... <laughs> But I find that there's all of this conversation about porn is getting so aggressive and it's bad for women because it's always women being, um, you know, passive and being abused and, and, you know, being the victim of these aggressive things. And I'm just like, dude, when I do want to watch porn, I'm going to kink.com and looking up the most hardcore shit I can find. Mm-hmm. Like, I am the one watching that. I wish yeah. I had a hotter guy, but like... What I think you, that comes like, from I like... Want, I want ethical porn, quote unquote. I mean, I'm sure kink.com is ethical, but I want like more hot guys as doms in this hardcore aggressive porn like i like watching that i'm a woman it has nothing to do with being objectified and everything to do with like our sexual brains work weird Mm -hmm, exactly um and i think you know the, the even that like statement of like you know because of this porn they're you know they're thinking that you have to gag and choke blah 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 in order for it to be blow a blow job like well maybe they should get more sex education then right it's education that actually is allowed to talk about healthy blowjobs blow and jobs. answer those questions for teenagers. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what yeah. would sex ed for teenagers look like if we were actually allowed to say the word blowjob or oral sex and talk about healthy versus unhealthy and talk about Exactly. What? You don't have to give a demonstration, but you can talk about some people like it like this. Some people like it like that. Some people mm. like it like this. But the thing is, you need to figure out what you like and what mm. makes you feel good. But that's not part of the conversation. But I am very I much exhausted with this, like it's so aggressive and it's bad for women and people who watch this aggressive porn have lower opinions of women. And I'm like, is that true? Sure. Where's the evidence? Show me the evidence. They used to think that freaking cunnilingus was kinky and was probably like, I don't, I don't know that they thought it was bad for women, but I'm sure because they thought it was kinky and like, not okay. It was, they probably thought it was bad for women. Right. You know, I know that they used to think that it, that, you know, paroxysms should only be performed by doctors what are paroxysms oh uh, or female hysteria right yeah. yeah okay i remember now yeah yeah and they, they should only be performed by doctors so that i'm thinking might, to myself like <laughs> that might actually not be true there's like a like a double narrative there's like that na- normal narrative but now there's a few people coming out and saying there's more studies that show it might not have been like that and women have always known what has pleased them and like those like vibrate like the the back massagers were being cheekily advertised to women who knew what they were all along yeah i knew that there's there's like a lot of like other discount hit like there's other there's other history there like women have always known orgasms maybe not high class well-bred women (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah but those are like those high class well-bred women are the ones usually making the the rules (laughs) yeah Yeah, i was just thinking though also in terms of like you'll meet these people who are like the fact that they show so much anal and now people think anal should be expected in a relationship is terrible and bullshit and like it's awful and i'm like expected bad normalized there's nothing Fine. wrong with that yeah yeah there's, there's nothing, wrong nothing with wrong normalizing with it sex acts as long as we understand that it needs to come along with consent yeah you know and conversations around consent you know like <sighs> i i don't love anal but i've still had conversations and i've been willing to do it because of like i've consented to it because it's a conversation yeah it's consent yeah. Easy enough. 
Shall Apparently we take not, though. Mm, should we take a short yeah. break? Sure. This is your casual, super chill reminder that we have podcast swag. Do you want a hat that says fuck demon? We have those, among other items. You can find them through sharewithray.com slash merch or head to my Etsy store, send nudes by Ray. And we're back. Listener question of the day. I want to have more sex with my wife, but scheduling it seems so unromantic. Why do people keep telling us to schedule sex? Ah, um, I actually love this question because for me, it matters. And I know a lot of, uh, I know a lot of people who it matters to as well. Um, I'm going to tell, I like, I, you know me, I talk through my personal stories and I talk through like how I interpret the world. So I have ADHD, which means that I have object permanence. Okay. (laughs) And if I'm not, sometimes if I have other things going on in my world, I won't be thinking about sex. And all of a sudden it'll be like, I don't know, days before I've thought about it. And, um, and it's affected my relationships in the past. Um, and I know other people who are like, I could have sex once every six months and I wouldn't really care, but I want to help my partner, but I just don't think about it. It's not something I'm actively thinking about or caring about. So I don't think and care about it in their context either. Um, so what scheduling sex does for the person who, you know, doesn't, um, the person who doesn't really care about it for, for six months, it allows them to kind of think about what their priorities are for their partner and what they want to be able to like do for their partner. Now I've, I've shared with some people like schedule it yourself. You don't need to tell your partner that you're scheduling it if they don't want to schedule it, but you can schedule times when you're initiating, like when you feel like, like when you are wanting to initiate, you know? And then for me, scheduling sex allows me anticipation and excitement and buildup to get to it. Right. So for everyone who has a like reactive desire pattern where you're not necessarily feel like you don't always feel like initiating Mm -hmm. when someone else does, you react and you want to have sex and you know that about yourself. Um, Scheduling sex allows you to mentally prepare and almost start the flirtation. So you know that like sex night is in seven days. Pick out your outfit now, right? Start thinking, what am I going to wear? What do I mm-hmm. feel like doing? Do I want to shave my butthole? Shave your butthole. <laughs> yeah. It gives you time to do self-care rituals so that you feel your best to do it and feel exactly. sexy going into it. And you build up your own desire so that it's less on the spot. And then when they sort of come at you, you've been building it up. You could like dirty text each other while you're waiting for that final time to come because that's part of creating that like, like you're trying to get the engine running a little bit earlier. So it's not mm-hmm. okay it's scheduled and you go from nothing to sex on that time. If you know the dates in the calendar, pick an act that you're excited about doing and talk about how excited you are to do it and mm-hmm. like plan, plan ahead. Exactly. And again, like you don't have to get like you don't have to schedule both ways. If you if your partner is struggling because you don't initiate enough. And you haven't thought about it, schedule initiation times. Yeah, you know? I'm also thinking yeah. about how nice it is. Like, I like the idea of scheduling initiation because that way you you can do it, like, all of that work mentally. Exactly. But I also like the idea of... Um... But you can't, like, if you're scheduling initiation and you're kind of doing it by yourself, 
you can't really talk to your partner and be like, I'm so excited to do this to you on Sunday. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. I also like the idea of scheduling like things that are exciting. I believe I told you about my Easter surprise for Alex that my listeners don't get to hear about. Yes. But I did surprise him. I can share half of this. I surprised him with an Easter egg hunt and I may or may not have been wearing one of the outfits that's been posted on my Instagram and he didn't know it was coming and it was really fun. There was a special surprise when he found the last egg. So I think you just, you just are a very organized individual. Like listeners, when I went out to Toronto to meet Ray, we had an itinerary. <laughs> and we back updated it for as long as we could with details of how much fun we had. It's like a journal. Exactly. But yeah, it was wonderful. I loved it. But you're just a very organized person. So I get Well, part of that was you had a list of goals. So we I tried to hit as many of your goals on day one as we could. We hit them on like day two. <laughs> so that we could just chill the fuck out after. You wouldn't have and to we be did like, that. oh no, we didn't get that done. <laughs> we were so hungover twice that we had yeah. to be like, everything is canceled. On on the Friday, I was just like, and this is a Netflix day. <laughs> But which was also fun because it was easy to just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyways. So sex ed story of the week. Yeah. Okay. Um, I went to a Christian school and I didn't have any education before I was 21. And the sex only reason. Oh, sex before, education. Yeah. Sorry. Before I was 21. And the only reason I had it then was because I found myself in the middle of an orgy, literally losing my virginity in an orgy. I was so scared after that that I would get pregnant, even though nobody came inside of me. I've been so ashamed of it for years. I would have taken plan B, but I didn't know about it. I didn't even find out about it until I was eight years late, until eight, like eight years later when I slept with somebody and was scared because his, he rubbed his dick against my vulva. Wow. And also <laughs> like, how did they end up in a situation where they were losing their virginity and having in an orgy you in an orgy? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like a good time. I mean, I would have had a great time. <laughs> I would have dived like, right in there. <laughs> if I had been in an orgy when I was 21, I don't think I would have known what to do with myself. But I would have been happy to be there. Yeah. But she sounds like she wasn't happy to be there almost. That's the thing. Yeah. It's very, well, it's unclear if she was or wasn't happy. She yeah. She found herself in the middle of an orgy. Orgy, literally losing her virginity. In an orgy. In an orgy. Interesting. I hope she felt okay about that. Yeah. And then, yeah, having no sex education up until she was 21. And then having no contraceptive education until eight years later. Apparently. Wow. Maybe she was using contraceptive but didn't realize that, like, I mean, skin-to-skin contact is an STI risk, not a pregnancy risk. Yeah. There's still even, there's still misunderstanding in this message here. Yes. Like, there's clearly a misunderstanding, like, or maybe not, but, like, I think this person still really doesn't understand. Yeah. I'm like, a lot of, of, I don't think you understand this works. But also, like, the idea that, like, um, so scared she would get pregnant, though nobody came inside. Was there, were they using condoms? I don't know. Or were they just using pull-out? Because, like, plan B is still safe after the pull-out method, but, like, yeah. If everyone was using condoms, you didn't need plan B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Where can people follow you? <laughs> uh, I can be found on Instagram at underscore Marissa the Dish. Um, I tell a lot more personal stories on there. So, <laughs> yeah, follow me there. Cool. Join the Deviants Defining Elite. Also, we have fuck demon hats. We have merch. I keep forgetting to tell people. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sex News with Ray. You can submit a listener question or your story through sharewithray.com slash podcast or email with Ray at sharewithray.com. DM me through Sex News with Ray on Instagram, Wife Bay Ray on Instagram, and TikTok. Share with Ray is another Instagram account that I have for latex. Follow at Razor Latex for nudes, OnlyFans, at Razor Latex. This podcast is produced by me and engineered by Josh from Josh T. Bowman is hosted at sexnewsfree.podbean.com. Theme music by Blank and Brilliant, logo by Dollar Shots Photography. Have a great day.